0: Thank you very much. Welcome to the show. This is episode 271 of the Boys of Tech for Monday the 14th of April 2014. My name is Edwin Herman. I'm joined over Skype by Brett King. Welcome to episode 271 Brett. Hey hey. Hey how you doing? Tired. <laughs> it's Monday morning. Yep. <laughs> it's what a busy weekend does isn't it?
1: And it is what a long and busy weekend does. Oh, look! You tires know, tires you
0: out. You know, I had the opposite. I had a very lazy weekend. I was going to go out and dig some more post holes, and I just really couldn't be bothered. With the weather we're having, I just thought, "Oh, no! I think I'll I'll just you don't lounge want to around the dig house. in the drizzle." No, well, no, it's not particularly. I mean, it's arguably better than digging when it's stinking hot, but. Yeah, no, I just had a nice lazy day at home uh, that was yesterday with the kids, so. Uh,
1: I'm looking forward to this weekend.
0: You got nothing on? All oh, 10 Easter, days Easter. of it. <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah. Are you taking All a...
1: 10 days of this coming weekend, yeah. I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I'm doing the same as well. So you're obviously taking the two days between uh, Waitangi and Easter. <laughs> yep. Very, very smart move. Mm-hmm. All right, Brett, look, let's have a look at what happened in the uh, week just been in tech. Now, of course, the the big story, which we almost reported on Thursday, on Thursday episode, but we thought we'd give it a break and leave it till this week. And that is Heartbleed. Yeah. Mm. The Heartbleed bug is a vulnerability in uh, OpenSSL, which is used in a lot of places, notably Apache web servers. We're talking like. at least two-thirds of the web is affected by this thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, Uh, an awful lot of software that uses SSL encryption uh, uses the OpenSSL libraries. That's right. So it it affects, yeah, it affects specifically, you know, a lot of web servers, but there are a lot of other client server software which utilize the OpenSSL library, which this also affects. So yeah.
0: <laughs> so so what actually happened is that it was I mean you know this uh, the vulnerability appeared just like any bugs do you know it's just part of a, co- a coding error that was yep. introduced by a programmer which was then missed by the uh, quality control checks and made its way through to to public you know to the final code. And that was I think in uh, December the 31st 2011. So Indeed. all through so all through 2012 and all through 2013 in a little bit of this year, that bug has been uh, exploitable. Yep. And it's it's particularly bad though, isn't it, Brett?
1: It is particularly bad because it does not leave any trace of it being utilized. Nothing shows up erroneously in a, a log file or anything that shows that somebody has made an incursion attempt utilizing this particular this particular bug. So nobody knows if anybody has used this bug in the wild. We know it was discovered by two research teams, but, yeah, nobody has any information whatsoever about whether or not over the past two years any malicious people knew about this bug and have
0: utilised it. So, yeah, pretty pretty bad. Indeed, very bad. And, the, look, the the thing is, is that, Not only can the private keys be obtained, but so could secondary materials such as passwords being used in the authentication process.
1: Well, of course, anything that that at any point in time hits the memory of the machine running the OpenSSL.
0: That's right. So, but there's what I'm saying is there's different layers. So there's the first and foremost is the the private key. Then there's the credentials being used, and then there is the content that is then later on and you know on the next layer, normally protected by SSL. And then of course, there's collateral uh damage as well, which is uh things like you know if you can get hold of uh you know people's you know content that's if you're then eavesdropping you can get more content information that you can then use perhaps like their facebook details and so on and so forth or or dates of birth so and, and things yeah. like that so it's on well many- once
1: you've got the encryption key, then you can read the entire
0: exactly and those are the examples <laughs> and I just went through that those are the examples of the different layers that you can then. Uh, use that for, and, uh, you, you know, sorry, I'll say that again, the different layers that you can then access. And it's like you said, you said before, you, you know, people can take advantage of this and leave no trace whatsoever. Indeed. That, it, that's the does, uh, not,
1: does not leave even a little smidgen of <laughs> recognition that this bug has been utilised mm. on a particular web server. It's impossible I, to track.
0: I was reading somewhere that uh, a lot of corporate organizations, large enterprise, tend to be a little bit slow at, at, at keeping things up to date. And this has proved to be, if you like, the silver lining for them, really, in that because what's affected is OpenSSL 1.01 through to 1.01F. Yeah. Uh, so, G so G they, is fixed. And if per-
1: they were using, G, yeah, if they've upgraded to G, which was released as soon as this flaw was discovered... Uh, or they are using a previous version of OpenSSL then they're fine
0: hmm. 1.0.0 0. 0 is not vulnerable anything less than that and so the the irony in this whole thing is that there were you know these large inter- enterprises that have yet had yet to update OpenSSL libraries and, you know, they've, they've been safe for that very reason. And then the smaller, sort of more up-to-date organizations mm-hmm. have, uh, have f- found themselves vulnerable. Now, the other thing also I came across is, is the bad advice that's being put out there. Don't suddenly go and change all your passwords right now. The reason you shouldn't is because before you do that, before you change any password, you need to find out whether that service... Has since updated OpenSSL for a new one. Because if they haven't, you're just Indeed. you're just polluting that you know password, putting that password Precisely, out there. Precisely,
1: you're just changing a password to another password and going to have to change it again soon. Exactly. The best way is you know all of the big players who have recently updated their um, OpenSSL have all made contact to their customers saying you should change your passwords now. So when you receive that, change your password. Otherwise. Go through the process of checking to see whether or not the service you're using is still vulnerable. And if it is, don't bother changing your password (laughs) because it doesn't make it look a difference. But as soon as it is upgraded, then change your password. Indeed. Or possibly consider this a time to decide whether or not that is still a service you wish to... (laughs) continue using.
0: That's right. And the other thing that, that came out recently, and I think you uh, we were talking about this just earlier, is rumours that the NSA were uh, using this exploit because they knew about In, it.
1: Indeed. There were Bloomberg reports that the NSA have utilised this bug for over the past two years, having known about it, but purposefully kept it secret because nobody else knew about it and utilised it. The NSA obviously came back uh, with a, a public statement, which was the NSA was not aware of the recently identified Heartbleed vulnerability until it was made public. Well, that was sent out by tweet and the Twitter responses were quite hilarious with as if and lol and right. <laughs> <laughs> People
0: didn't believe the NSA did they? Back
1: because, well, you know, it, With all of the stuff that the NSA have been found to have done, believing that they... Knew about this exploit, utilized it, but didn't tell anybody about it is entirely in the realm of believability, based on the track record <laughs> of proven things mm. from well, the NSA. I, I
0: can see, I can see exactly why. Unfortunately, <laughs> the NSA is in a rather t- difficult situation because they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. No Precisely. one's going to believe them. So if it's true what they said, what do they do? Do they do they come out and say, no, look, you know, we we didn't know, honest. Or do they not say that? Because either way, people are going to be—if oh, yeah. they don't say—people will be they they are damned if they don't. Yeah, exactly. And going to believe them either no, way. No one's going to believe them anyway. Either way, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, unfortunately for them, it's a lose-lose. But well, you, they do, burnt their bridges by actually—they <laughs> well, did, although—and
1: uh, <laughs> doing dodgy things.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's right. So, anyway, this this is a huge thing. Heartbleed. There's information at heartbleed.com. Yeah, there
1: also uh, a couple of websites which you'll be able to find from the heartbleed.com which allow you to check websites to see whether or not those web services have patched for Heartbleed or vulnerable to Heartbleed. So you can check to see whether or not your online email service or online cloud service or whatever online service you're using that uses SSL encryption has patched. And if they have, change your password. And If they haven't, Send them an email and ask them why they haven't
0: patched. Mm. <laughs> now, how would you feel if you were the guy that introduced this? Well, Robin Sigelman, he's a programmer in Germany. He was the one who submitted code to an update to open SSL. Mm-hmm. And that updated, the, that new code contained, that introduced that vulnerability. Yep. He submitted the code at 1159 pm on New Year's Eve 2011. It was supposed to enable a function called heartbeat in the OpenSSL protocol. Yeah.
1: And, which, you know, the, the function itself is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It, that's un- just unfortunate that.
0: Yeah, it just had, had <laughs> a
1: little bug came in with
0: it. That's right. Now, he was interviewed by The Guardian and he said, well, look, the code was the work of several weeks. And it's only a coincidence that it was submitted during the holiday season. He said, I am responsible for the error because I wrote the code and missed the necessary validation by an oversight. Unfortunately, this mistake also slipped through the review process and therefore made its way into the released version. Indeed.
1: No quality assurance, quality assurance. But then, once again, with dozens of different people submitting code snippets for such a... Well-used library—that's an awful lot of lines of code to go through, and know what each bit does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I mean, that, you can see how certain things yeah. would slip through, especially when they're submitted on New Year's Eve.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, you can't—you can't really hold them to task over it. You know, oh, it, no, it,
1: the number of the number of um, it, accidental bugs that have slipped through software that have gone into. Production is—it
0: happens. It's humans. thousands and it, it,
1: thousands. We are con we we read stories every year on. Oh, glitches come through. Oh no, this battery exploded. Why? Because the bit of code in the recharge cycle was slightly off. It mm. shouldn't have gone through. Or, it happens.
0: Oops. It happens. That right? That
1: went through with a comment that was derogatory. <laughs>
0: Oops. Well, look. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was coding. Look, Brett, I was coding over the weekend, and you know, a number of bugs I introduced and I found and fixed. But I'm sure there's others that that remain out there. It's it's just the way it is. And you know, it, it's good. I think it's good of him that he came out and said, "Look, you know, it was me." Um, yep. Oops, my bad. Uh, yeah. Oops, <laughs> my bad. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. All right. Let's talk about Amazon. We'll leave that there. It's a huge, huge story. Uh, it is but a look- massive story.
1: It has such a. Massive impact.
0: Yeah, that's why it's such a big story.
1: Because of yeah, the p- proliferation of the OpenSSL library.
0: And yeah, mm. and
1: well, you know, the, the the flip side to it is, I yeah, you, know, you know, you get to look at it and go, wow, this is a an open source piece of software. It's not proprietary. It's not locked down to anything, and it it's it's made it out there. It's it's being used. It's doing what open source software's supposed to do, and that is be utilized freely by people mm. to, to do their business. So it's, it's quite cool seeing just how widely used this piece of software is. It's just unfortunate that has quite such a significant bug in.
0: Mm, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> in right. The, uh, exactly. Previous versions. Well, there's a lot of information out there. Uh, definitely start with uh, Heartbleed.com. That's your uh, your first port of call, and go from there. Let's talk about Amazon, Brett, uh, because Amazon is rumours that they'll be entering the smartphone market.
1: Oh, why?
0: Because why? they can. Why?
1: Why?
0: <laughs> Well, why? No, why not? They've got a, they've got the uh, the Kindle. They've got, you know, I mean, what? Why not? Right? They've got the Kim, Kindle Fire. But the, the why? Because everyone else is, and they want their slice of the pie as well. I mean, look, Amazon. It's funny because you think of Amazon in back in the day, they were nothing but a retailer. It's what you, it was an online shop. Now they are
1: still an online shop, but now they're an online shop that also provides devices that allow you to connect more easily to the online shop.
0: Oh, so that's why they're entering uh, <laughs> in, into that market. Is that why, Brett? <laughs> Could well be. It's been rumoured for quite a while. Uh, it sounds like the rumours uh, are gaining credibility. And uh, if they yes, correct, it's... A rumor, it's
1: but we'll find out in September whether or not they do announce a... Uh, June. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, June will June be the is. announcement.
0: Yep. Uh, well, June is supposedly when they're going to announce it and September is supposedly when it's going to be available. Uh, uh, but getting, you know, my,
1: w- getting my facts and a rumour mixed up.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, facts I, in what? a rumour? How does that work? Uh,
1: uh, I'm getting my, my fa- facets
0: of the rumour
1: mixed up. Or, or, or factoids. <laughs> factoids. Mm. Uh, wouldn't those be mini-facts?
0: That sounds like it, but I think
1: factoid is actually... Mini-facts that you take to settle your stomach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, yeah. No, a factoid, it's exactly what that term is. A factoid is a, straight from Wikipedia, here you go, a factoid is a questionable or spurious, in brackets it says, unverified, false or fabricated statement presented as a fact. Well, actually, it's not quite It's not quite that, actually. Well,
1: no, because, yeah, uh, rumours are, are rumours. Mm. They're not spurious or...
0: No. Yeah. But it's the closest word I could get. So the fact word's for now, until further notice. Right. Now, <laughs> okay, so let's see what happens with, uh, with that. We'll have to wait and see. Indeed, I will saw it have a good sto- camera?
1: Is it going to have an nice screen? Wow. Well, is, is it going to be anything other than just a small Kindle Fire?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm thinking too. That's what you're thinking, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm thinking a, a Kindle Fire Mini uh, with d- the ability to make 3G, well, 4G calls.
0: Well, look, I, I didn't. Yeah, everything's for genius. Look, I didn't realize that Amazon had its own app store with two hundred thousand apps already.
1: Isn't, yeah, because yeah, Kindle's huge? version, the the Kindle's version of Android, is quite tailored to their devices and to their store.
0: But I'm surprised it's got so many apps. I mean,
1: well, they've been it, massively investing in wooing developers to their app store to develop apps for the the Kindle specifically
0: but you know apple themselves have one million this is a fifth of that which you know is significant in my view it's huge
1: well yeah it is also being powered by amazon who does have a sizable wallet
0: well this is to do the wooing Mm, that is true that is true yeah all right brett i saw another story i wanted to uh, bring in as well which is a new labour agreement in France, where and I thought this is kind of interesting because, what does it mean for uh, what would it mean for us, for example, if we had this here? So what this new labour agreement is is that employees must ignore work emails after office or outside of work office emails, hours. work
1: texts, anything work related. Yep,
0: outside really? of office hours. I, so, I've been doing you know, that for ages. Have you? Because I know, look, I work with, look, at work, <laughs> here's, here's the thing, Brett. At my work, I find there are two different types of people. Those at the moment they go out the door, their phones are off, their tablets are off, they don't connect to email. Then there's the other people that, you know, will check from time to time. And so if you send them an e- a work email at about, I don't know, 7.30 in the evening, you might get a reply at 8.30 or something like that. But there's very, very two You'll different groups. You'll
1: only get a reply at 8.30 in the evening if I'm still at work, which is possible.
0: Yeah, so you're yeah. obviously in that first group.
1: So, what, but you know, with this- once I leave work, I'm no, I don't check my email. I, I never check my work email on the weekend unless I'm expecting an email that is important about something specific.
0: Right. So if something's pre-arranged.
1: <laughs> yeah, if something's pre-arranged. I will expect it and I will check my email for it. But otherwise, I don't check my email until mm. Monday morning. See, because what they noticed, in, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't do. <laughs> I, I I make that distinction between work. And outside of work. And I try to keep those two things separate. It's difficult because, you know, you got a, you know a lot of people at work and so you socialise and do all that sort of stuff with colleagues from work outside of work. But you keep the work part at work and during work hours. <laughs> Unless negotiated
0: otherwise. Well, look, you'd, you'd love France then because, you know, th- this whole thing... I would love France. <laughs> this whole thing came in because they noticed that... There was a sort of creep going on, this creep of now that people have smartphones, especially when work issues them and tablets, that, you know, oh, you know your boss sends you an email at, at seven o'clock at night and expects you to respond. Now, how far does this go before we say, look, enough's enough. I'm not working 24-7.
1: Precisely. You're not paying me 24-7. Exactly. You're yeah. not paying me out, you know, overtime hours for responding to this. Wait till the morning.
0: Now, just to put some context to this, this agreement affects a quarter of a million employees in the technology and consultancy sectors. That's the unions that represent those sectors that have negotiated this. It's yeah. not a blanket every worker no. in France, you well,
1: know. It it would be irrelevant for a a lot of jobs. You know, you're um, how many times is your barista going to be pulling a coffee outside of? Business hours.
0: Well, the thing is, it, it doesn't. Yeah, I know. The business hours is different for, for different people, but and this is why it doesn't specify any times. And spe- it's the type times. of
1: work as well, because in the sectors that you mentioned, they are ones which are, rely a lot on those different methods, electronic methods of communication and electronic methods of of doing and delivering work. And those are the ones where that creep can easily yep. occur. Yep. Because you've, you've left the office, but you still have your phone, which means you still have your email, which means you still could respond to work-related emails. And this is, you know, something to, to stop that because you responding to work-related emails during the evening while you're sitting at home watching television is when you're supposed to be relaxing. Or, or you know, if you're French, you're um, off – doing something way more exotic than sitting in front of your television
0: It's <laughs> At a local cafe or something having a wine or or something I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. But look, you I, know, Brett, I, the thing is <laughs> I, what I don't understand is I would have thought that there isn't any obligation to respond to those emails outside of work because it's not it wouldn't specifically be in their contract. There's never it?
1: been a, you know, a specific legal obligation, but you get the sort of, you know, you get certain bosses who are the kind of boss who might send you those sorts of things and then just expect it to occur.
0: And I guess it sets a precedence, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm.
1: And if you then respond to it, then it, yeah, it does set that sort of precedence.
0: And so I guess they, they've drawn a line in the sand and they've said, look, uh no. Yeah. our, our, our employees are not going to be doing this. To do this mm.
1: <laughs> outside of work hours. Work hours are work hours. You pay them for this specific amount of time for the working during that time. You're not paying them outside of that time. And France has made this specific with their changing to their. Thirty-five hour week. Uh, they made a, spe- you know, a conscious decision to separate out and expand the amount of quality of lifetime people got, and this is just an extra step to ensure that the work-life balance doesn't become unbalanced.
0: There were two. There were two. The main reason for the thirty-five hour week was actually to reduce unemployment and get more people back into jobs. By sharing mm. the available work, but the like you say, the added effect is that they do have a much better work-life balance. I would Indeed. love a thirty-five hour week.
1: I would love a thirty-five hour week as well. It would be great. Yeah. Though I, I am also quite happy with our thirty-seven <laughs> and a half hour week.
0: Mm, yes, I also do thirty-seven and a half as well. Well that's my. I sometimes do more than that, but that is my Boy. contract as well.
1: <laughs> as as generally happens, sometimes you do actually get caught up, and but that generally getting caught up, you get caught up while you're still at your place of employment. Mm. And and that I see is something slightly different. That's something for you to control. But this is more about controlling the employer itself from expecting you to do stuff when you are not at your place of employment and actually in your home time.
0: See, this kind of situation really didn't exist before the proliferation of... Of smartphones, internet-connected portable devices, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, you know, you you started to see some of that creep when there was, you know, the proliferation of personal computers at home. There were lots of people who did computer work at home and all that sort of stuff. But it has really taken off with smartphones and tablet devices and more portable devices because they have become more ubiquitous across the different Sectors than just ICT and technology, so yeah, it, it happened in the past, but to a much smaller segment um, of of the of employees.
0: Mm, that's true. All right, Brett. Last story then for this episode: uh, a, a new concept, uh, and this is a concept. For a printer. In fact, it's on Kickstarter they're looking for funding. Before I tell you what it is, let me tell you about the problem with printers. Now, printers are big and bulky and they need to be at least as large as a piece of paper that goes through them.
1: Yeah, well, even the th- portable printers are at least as wide as th- that's a right. piece of A4 paper. They may not be; they might only be a couple of inches long and a couple of inches tall but they are still as wide as a piece of paper.
0: Exactly. So this new concept flips us completely the other way around and the, uh, they've come up with this printer, which is really nothing more than like like something that looks like an oversized mouse or perhaps the turtle that you used to control in Logo, if you remember back in the 90s, yep. uh, which sits, so the idea is that's the printer, and it, this little device that fits in your hand sits on the page, and it's the printer that moves around the page. So printing. it's
1: a tiny robot that drives around the piece of paper drawing your printing. Yeah, Exactly. That is so cool. It's kind of learn. cool,
0: isn't it? <laughs> What's kind of cool in that it's very portable. Okay, sure enough, you could. Uh, the critics would say, well, you still need an area the size of a piece of paper. Yes. But my argument would be, you're well... You're never
1: going to get away from that when you want to print
0: something on a piece of paper. Well, the thing is, if you're going to print something on a piece of paper, you're going to have to put... You want that piece of paper to be somewhere, right? You're going to yep. put it somewhere. So just put it where you want it and throw the little robot on top and it will print for you.
1: That is so cool. Yeah, it's kind
0: of, I like it. It's very cool. <laughs> it's a great idea, and it's not the it, fastest. No, no, I well, saw that. What's the rate there? Is it a page uh, a minute? Well, or?
1: the current rate is not awesome, but they are expecting that the the rate for the the ones that they produce will be a page a minute.
0: A page is it less than that now?
1: Yeah, yeah, their their prototype device is is, is slower than that.
0: Mm. A page a minute is still very slow, but of course... A page a minute trader. is very
1: slow, but, but this you is a will trader. have massive amounts of entertainment watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: Absolutely. that's right. That would be a very quick minute, wouldn't it? Yes. Because you'd be having fun watching this thing go Indeed. around your page. Indeed, goes across printing out what you're doing.
1: Obviously, I think their their first set are going to just be black and white.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, of course. <laughs> They've got to start somewhere. But you know you know what else this means, Brett? that if you buy, for example, a, a a birthday card or a Christmas card or some greeting card, you can put that on top of that. It doesn't, it really, the, the media is less restricted now for the device. Indeed,
1: because it does not have to feed through a printing device. Exactly. There is no crinkling it. You know, if you've got a thick piece of card, you can print on it. Without having to try and work out a way to make it go through your printer. <laughs>
0: yeah, it still has to be nice and flat because this thing will skid and all oh, yeah, sorts, yeah. and it just won't Indeed. work. But uh, you it know, has it's to be flat, flat, flat. Yeah, it has to be flat. But it doesn't matter how thick it is. Exactly. It's be a
1: thick piece of card mm. that you're using for art. Oh my God, I can just imagine the uses in art class.
0: Oh yeah, and you could probably print on directly onto wood or MDF. Yeah, if it's flat enough. Indeed. Like if MDF would be flat enough. Hmm. Yeah, natural wood might not depend no, on the it is. No, it would
1: probably be quite a, too, too absorbent.
0: Yeah. Well, well, actually MDF would be too, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. You might have to coat it with something. But
0: but even so, I mean, you know, that's, yeah, even I like so, it.
1: Even it does mean pretty much any flat surface, as long as you've got it treated to be paperish, can be printed on with this thing.
0: Oh, it's so cool. Now, in case you're wondering, <laughs> this is straight out of Israel. It's uh, come from students and at the Jerusalem College of Technology. So I tell you what, let's put a link to that Kickstarter project, uh, Kickstarter campaign, Indeed. I should say, on our website. So if you go to boysoftech.com right now, it's under episode 271. i one. They're looking for 400,000, by the way. Mm.
1: Not from a single person, obviously. No, <laughs> no <laughs> And if, right, you but, want, but, if you want but, to pledge yeah. and actually get a product, it's 180. 180 for their early bird to get uh, the... Uh, a pocket printer in black. Hmm. Two hundred dollars. Actually, that's already gone. That's all, that's
0: already expired. Oh. That one. They only had limited numbers. Oh, yeah. so it is up to, $200. It's, it's $200 up to two hundred dollars. It's two hundred dollars
1: to get yeah. the the white or or black. You, oh, you've already missed already missed out. Ah, <laughs> damn.
0: Yeah. yeah well, it goes quick. But it's very it? cool. It's <laughs> yeah. Very very cool. It is very cool. <laughs> well, at least I should say it looks cool. I, I haven't obviously seen it, but it looks cool. All right, yeah. Brad. Look, that's it for episode 271. Let's leave it there. We've done enough uh, for this week. And uh, mind you, it's Easter com- uh, coming up at the end of this week. Mm. So I guess uh, we should also wish all our Indeed. listeners a very, very happy Easter.
1: Indeed. Mm. Easter, everyone.
0: Let's leave it there. Thanks, everyone. And uh, we'll do another episode after Easter. So it might be a little bit of a, a different uh Uh, release schedule for our episodes but anyway we'll see you then thanks for joining us for this one till next time goodbye ciao